And it was kind of astonishing that, like, within seconds of winning, uh, he wanted to fire the writer. I was like, you can't write that. It's like, great, it's just, it, that's Hollywood. That's what making movies is really actually like. It's never like a bunch of nice people get together and just creatively agree on everything and make <laughs> art. <laughs> this is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 87 for the week of September 14th, 2015. I am five-time divorcee, David T. Cole, and I'm here with feckless on-site producer Sarah D. Bunting. We're not going to make the day. Slenderman stunt double Tara Ariano. Don't be alarmed by my wrists. And Chris Moore imitator Kim Reed. Streetlights, lamp Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Extra Hot Great. Welcome back to Kim Reed, uh, returning to the valued guest chair. Hi, Kim. Yeah. Hi. And to help us welcome back Project Greenlight, uh, which, after a long national nightmare of t- like 10 years, has finally returned to our TV screens uh, as of as we record this last night. The first episode of the long-awaited season four aired, and uh, I feel many ways <laughs> about many things. Um, having just completed a marathon or like sprint diary rewatch of the entire rest of the series, I also watched The Chair, yeah, and loved it. But this is the this is the gold standard, and it did not disappoint, at least to me. What did you guys think, uh, Kim? Why don't you start as our valued guest? Well, I first of all, I missed Chris Moore. I know he's on the chair now, yeah. but he was always my favorite part. Uh, like Sarah, I have just did a rewatch of seasons one and two, and I didn't get all the way through three, but I had just watched the first episode of season three mm-hmm. before watching the premiere of season four. So I really, he, Chris Moore is my 100% favorite, despite my <laughs> now embarrassing known love of Ben Affleck. <laughs> Um, which might be over, but that's a whole separate issue. But oh. anyway, yeah, we'll get into it later. Breaking but, news. Um, <clears throat> hot scoop. <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting. I didn't know ahead of time that they were only going to be choosing a director this time. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. And as they mentioned on the episode, so much has changed technology wise. That was the most astonishing part to me. Like the quality of the director clips that we saw. Yeah. Is like night and day. I mean, even more, if there's something that's more contrasted than night and day, midnight <laughs> and noon, I don't know. But um, it was really, I mean, really amazing what people, amateur directors could do now that they couldn't do back then. Um, so I thought that was interesting. What else? What did you think, Tara? I was I was really impressed by the polish of the, the bits of sh- the short films that we saw, too. I used to write a column for Grantland called... Um, about video on demand offerings. So I had to watch a lot of trailers for movies that were getting their day and date release on demand. And there, like, there's a lot of movies that make it that far with what are clearly amateur actors or like, you know, the director's girlfriend in the lead or something. And there's nothing that bugs me more than amateur actors. Like, it's yeah. really makes me uncomfortable to watch them. I can't stand it. It's like listening to a piano out of tune. And like, I thought all of, from what we saw, all of the acting at least was, was really good. And they, as you said, they looked really professional. Um, but, uh, 
really the story is the story of Jason Mann, and I love how much Sarah hates him already. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> He's the worst. <laughs> He's the worst. He's not the best. He's, He's really... not the best. I mean, here's the thing. Well, first, <laughs> let me ask you guys how far you've watched. Have you only seen the first episode? Yeah, I suggested that we watch the next one when we, after we watched the first one because we got screeners, but I, I only watched the first. I've only seen the first as well. Okay. Well, first of all, good news, Kim. Uh, there may be, uh, I mean, except no substitutes. I also love Chris Moore, but Mark Joubert, who was one of the producers or Joubert, I don't know how you actually pronounce it. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, I do. My new boyfriend, Mark Joubert, <laughs> is how you pronounce that. Um, super sweary, Ooh. Um, super eye-rolly at Jason Mann. Nice. Um, addresses his assistant at one point with, where's my coffee, dickhead? And the assistant <laughs> does not respond at all. <laughs> Probably mm-hmm. has headphones in and is like, whatever, like, love you too, but not. Um, <laughs> but in the – so that you see that more in the second episode. And you also see – the frustrating to me thing about Jason Mann, which is that he's making like the writer he wants to fire is fucking Pete Jones from season one. So you didn't see that in any of the previews and you're kind of like, all right, well I sort of see the dude's point. Like it's Pete Jones. Like the guy works, but it, you know, his writing is not my thing at all. And stolen summer was the corniest corn that ever corned. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Jason Mann, he makes a lot of good points. Like, he's super attached to shooting it on film. He's one of those, like, vinyl's way better man types <laughs> about it, and it's fucking annoying. But he does make a lot of good points about, like, not giving into third act structuring cliches and that he doesn't want things to look too slick. And, like, he's they're... the most annoying type of asshole in that he is he's right. often right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 And then his way of phrasing it, and also the fact that he is like Lurch. Yeah. With the sort of two short sleeves, and that you sort of find out, like, you know, he doesn't, whatever, spoiler, he doesn't drink coffee. Oh. And it's like, that's fine, but he's like, I don't want to be dependent on anything oh. to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Can I say why? I've never watched. Project Greenlight before I didn't watch it the first time around but why and you know you know historically I'm not really big on reality shows but when I do watch them uh I do enjoy sort of the the Richard Hatch law in effect which is (laughs) let the asshole win like let him at least get to the end right don't eliminate the people that make for good tv and this guy seems like you know he's he's gold for a reality show well but that's well, we should get into like one of the big sort of stories within the first episode, which was this argument about um, diversity in that selection process. But the selection of Jason Mann really sort of exposes the fault line here, which is, are they actually trying to make right. a good movie or is right. that totally beside the point? Yeah. What's what's the what's the thing? Is it a show? Or yeah, is it because a they're making great TV and I have no issue if that is yeah. like if that ends up being the log line. Mm-hmm spoiler i think it is yes but also i mean i'm curious to know how because i also watched the chair i'm curious to know how much 
they kind of expose the process of making the show in it. Because on the chair, I felt like it was quite a lot. Like they, there were definitely were conversations from episode to episode about like how people being aware of how they're going to come off in the show and, you know, uh-huh. being worried and about trying and failing to manage that. Anna. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, but but because that's that's definitely a thing. And I, anyway, whatever. Sarah led us into it. So let's let's play the clip of the, uh, the the exchange that she was referring to. I just want to bring up something. I just would want to urge people to think about whoever this director is, the way that they're going to treat the character of Harmony, the, her being a prostitute, the only black person being a hooker who gets hit by her white pimp. You have you looking at this group right here and who you're picking and the story that you're doing. And I just want to make sure that we're doing our best I will our say that the forward. only team that's left with diversity is the team that announced that they like this script the most as it is. And that's Leo and Kristen. Everyone else had major problems and with it. And with exactly the things that you're bringing up and exactly the things that we brought up to each other. So, I, so I think on the surface, they mm-hmm. look like one thing, but they might end up giving us True something ethic. that we don't want. And when we're talking about diversity... You do it in the casting of the film, not in the casting of the show. No. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, Effie is my favorite person already, and I love how I love that she brought it up, and I also love that they sh- they kept that exchange in the episode because they could have not, and it does not make him look great. That was Matt Damon no, speaking. I mean, and you know, not to like bunsplain what I think he's trying to do. (laughs) Uh But it's like, I think it's one of those like knee jerk, like I don't want this to be a concern. So I'm, I'm going to speak to it as though it isn't a concern. Right. Or maybe I'm putting that incorrectly, but like you see this sort of when, um, for example, baseball players point out institutional racism in the game. Yeah. And people are like, "No, no, 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 it wasn't about that at all. And it's, like they can't hear it because they really don't want it to be true. And it's coming from a bad place, but it's still really like dense and it, he's not listening to her. Right. Well, so. and it, they, it goes from that clip onto an interview with him where he says like, we want this to be, we want the, the winner of this contest to get it on pure merit. And it's like, of course, that's what everyone wants, but it's like, sure. it's such a privileged thing for him to say. It's like, that's yeah. really easy for you to say as a white man in America, like, to not even really credit what she's saying or understand. I mean, I guess I assume he understood what she was saying, but like, I get her point too. And, you know. Well, and then the meritocracy part is like, they give it, I'm sure Jason Mann is like maybe the best pure filmmaker, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, what do I know? But. He's the one who doesn't even seem to want it. Like, yeah, I'm not sure where merit comes into him being like, the thing about the script is that I think it sort of sucks. And that one guy's like, we need or no, it was Ben Affleck was like, how about a yes or no answer? And he's like, I sort of yes or no, except Mm -hmm. only if I get my way. Like, and that's the guy you pick. Sure. Yeah. It's totally going to maximize the drums. But just to speak to the diversity issue before they even that conversation we just heard happened. I had written in my notes, still a whole lot of white dudes. Yep. And uh, then I thought it was interesting what Effie brought up because I also thought, you know, if you're going to make a movie about a prostitute in 2015 or 16, whenever this movie is supposed to come out, 
maybe you need to have a female voice because it looks like the writers are male, yep. the directors male, the producers are almost all male. And I didn't know she was also in the script black, but you know, maybe some diversity in who, how this character is going to happen mm-hmm. might help you avoid something like basically every Fairly Brothers <laughs> movie. The way the way that Fairly well, Brothers yeah, movies that's can be thing. kind of offensive, you mm-hmm. know. So how about we let a woman in or a person of color in to besides Effie, so she's not the one who everyone has to you know who feels like she has to speak for her gender and race all of the time yeah and then becomes just, like thought, the the scold of the production keeping everyone yeah. on track such a thankless role yeah, yeah and i like exactly. matt damon but i thought that was super mansplainy mm-hmm. and mansplainy the way he was talking over her That's and not even letting her respond for sure it really rubbed me the wrong way yeah me too there was yeah, also was an not... edit in that clip though like you can tell they cut out when he starts talking about you know, there, you can tell there's a jump there. So they've edited something sure. out there. So it's, sure. it's not well. And he's also pure. he tends to be the one who is the most like humorlessly attached to the <laughs> ideal mm-hmm. of what yeah. Project Greenlight could be, which historically I have found sort of sweet and naive. But now, like when he's like, "No, no, no," we address that in the casting. I'm like, "No, <laughs> that's not addressing it." Right. Like unless you're going. To cast one of the producers. That's just, that's just like yeah. Cornell West as the right. prostitute. Right. Is that how you're going to address it? Well, that's just sweeping it under the rug until it's too late to do anything about it. Right. Yeah. And, and like that's, exactly. that's also putting uh, a huge amount of responsibility on whoever gets cast in this part to, we're like, well, we're counting on you to tell us what to do. Like, oh, okay, great. I'm sure that, you know, whoever this unknown actress is who gets cast in this part is really eager to be rocking the boat like that and what might be, you know, her first big role right exactly um i also am curious about because they never unless i missed it i don't think they said who wrote the script that they're working on they just kept saying they it's a very it's carefully a, didn't You're yeah because right. they they just said it's a it's a top person working in comedy today or something to that effect where it's like okay but who who is it and why does this person top a not want to be involved in project Greenlight directly and b you know care so little about this script that they would turn it over to pete jones to script doctor for that them. will soon be that will soon be revealed oh okay dun, yeah. dun, dun. Dun, that's, dun, dun. that's exciting pete jones looks weird by the way he yeah looks something i, I have got that like eyeliner tattoo maybe <laughs> yeah what were you gonna say kim the only thing i had in my notes about pete jones was i wrote don't clap for pete jones why are you a script writer your script is terrible he looks like uh Tom Hollander fell into a garbage compactor. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. With, with, carrot, with carrot peels on yeah. his hair. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. He looks like he lost a lot of weight in a weird way. Like his his whole head looks different to me. And you when, when they showed footage of him from the first season of the show, it was like, yeah, that barely even looks like the same So he guy, won the but... first season. Did he yeah. go on to do anything? It sounds like he was, he's just sort of like, you know, S- Sarah nibbling probably at the edges knows. of the industry. Yeah, no, he um, wrote a Fairly Brothers movie. Oh, think, and has been a script doctor for stuff okay. on TV. Like, I think he works so because still- I think he's a very traditional type of yeah. Hollywood writer who has memorized William Goldman and <laughs> takes orders well. Yeah. Which which movie was it that he wrote, Kim? Hall Pass. Oh, Hall Pass. Oh, with uh, okay. Owen Wilson and Jason. Oh, Sudeikis. right, 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 right. <laughs> and their disgusting trolls of wives they couldn't wait to cheat oh, on Jenna Fisher and yuck. Christina yeah. Applegate. <clears throat> Gross. 
gross. Okay, well, that paints a picture. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, all, all the diversity stuff aside and him being a dick aside. Uh, Jason being a dick aside. Yeah. Um, having that guy be the director of the movie for this season seems like good TV. And I got to believe that is the goal here. Like none of these movies from project Greenlight has set the world on fire. Right. Like right. nothing's been a hit. Nope. So it's the show no. It's HBO's, you know, skin in the game. Right. Yes. And that's gotta be the prime motivator for this, which is, you know, sort of muddies the waters as far as the you know, purity of the experiment. But Sounds like it's going to make for great TV. For sure. Which to, is why I'm watching. To stick up for Jason the tiniest bit. I mean, I, I think that is a, it was a smart play for him to go in and not act like he thought the script was the best. If clearly the first thing he was going to start doing would be shitting on it if he got the job. Like that's a that's a smart job interview technique to, you know, show that you've thought about what the what the job is and what you can bring to it and that there are issues that but you boy, are the person risky. to solve but yeah like anybody who's ever had a website has got that email which is here are all the things you misspelled and here's all the proofreading <laughs> marks for this article yeah. hire me yeah you know it's like basically saying hey you fucking idiot i'm smarter than you give me somebody you know what i mean like it's, yeah. it's it may be true but like you know, chances are the person on the other side of the table is going to say, well, fuck you, no. Based on what we saw of their clips, were there other directors that you would have rather either seen do it because you thought their short films looked better or that you would rather watch for a whole season, Sarah and Kim? Uh, I can tell you one guy I am glad did not get the job. I don't know his name, but he's the one who did the Beanie Bros. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> oh, I liked him the best. I, I thought he was funny. I, what we saw of that movie looked funny to me. I'm an idiot, though. Well, yeah, me too. here's what bothered me. I wrote in my notes, don't bring your pussy posse to the Project Greenlight film. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's a good note. Why did he bring all his friends with him? It was so annoying. Fair enough. That's all. That was that was the only one that really stuck out to me. It was hard to tell because they, you know, they don't show much. Mm-hmm. I also was confused by the one who was they were a couple and then yeah. they broke up but she quote unquote accidentally submitted it under <laughs> yeah, only her name <laughs> I know. and then had to bring him in. it was weird like there clearly I, was a whole backstory there we did not get disclosure my brother dave uh submitted in the first round um a short based on something that i a short story that i wrote it didn't go anywhere for a bunch of reasons um but it's not possible to do anything accidentally uh-huh. with that yeah. submitting process. It's really not. And she That's why I said quote. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that that whole thing was so uncomfortable and I kind of couldn't figure out when Jason Mann was also uncomfortable why we were even seeing those two and her yeah. I don't know. Well, I, assume- I sort of liked her ex-boyfriend. I thought he was kind of charming and funny in that uh-huh. sh- in the part of the short we saw, but she was just like Someone's going to start crying, and I don't want to see that. Yeah, I assume that they left so much of their awkwardness in as a misdirect to make us think that they were going to be the drama, that was going to be the drama that we got to follow the whole way through. But I also, based on their submission video or film, thought that that was the subject matter that resonated the most with me. <laughs> so we've had that argument like oh, yeah, 7,000 totally. times. Oh, just just yeah, pick a place. Pick a restaurant. Yeah. Completely. It's the most important thing in the world that you have to <laughs> pass off responsibility for choosing dinner or what, what show you're watching yes, to the other person. This should be absolutely the like sole content of like premarital 
counseling. Totally. How will you decide what happens at the evening meal? Yeah, the cliche is struggling with this. The cliche is IKEA, but the real world example is Mm -hmm. picking restaurants because it's every day. It's every day. Um, But yeah, I assumed that her her whole thing with like, oh, it was an accident. Was uh, she submitted it not thinking it was ever going to have a chance of going anywhere, and then when it did, she was like, well, fuck, I guess I have to jump him in now. Um, but yeah, that's, that was, that was a funny backstory too. He didn't seem to know where he was most of the time. So I was yeah. like, I think you could have just glossed this actually. So Sarah, you've watched ahead of, uh, episode one. So still good. Still keeping it. Oh yeah. Great. Oh yeah. And, uh, I am told by a little birdie whose name rhymes with Fallon Feppenwall, mm-hmm. um, that it only continues to get more like that classic green light combination of like these fucking people and then you can't stop watching it so i am excited hooray this is extra hot great micros today's topic is the best sister oh um i have to give it to uh jamie from mad about you she really has a handful in her sister from uh who is lisa played by Anne elizabeth ramsey um and she manages to hold it together but i also like that their dynamic is uh Jamie is never she never really lets Lisa off the hook. They they their fights to me feel very realistic. Kim. Uh I had two. I had uh Jackie and Roseanne. Love Roseanne. Ooh, uh, nice. One of I think the most realistic and also hilarious sisterly relationships. Yep. And then I also said Lindsay Weir from Freaks and Geeks. I Aww. think she's a good sister to Sam. She is. Sarah. Um, I enjoy Danielle Chase. Um, I know she's always getting kicked out of rooms, but she's very <laughs> realistic. And uh, I also would like to note that uh, the Dolworths, Steph and Hank of Terriers, mm. Steph has some problems, but she's kind of got it knocked. She's like just living in the attic in her pajamas. Yep. And that's one of the best, by which I mean least creepy, um, brother-sister relationships on TV. Mm-hmm. These are all pretty great sisters. Dave, do you have a sister to add before I continue? Please continue. These are all great sisters, but I think the title of best sister has to go to Rob's sister, Dorinda. Oh, Rob says, thank you for everything you've done for me over the past year. You were the one who first introduced me to Extra Hot Great. I've loved chatting about podcasts together, overanalyzing TV shows together, and just spending time with you. So now, as I fly to England, literally, I wanted to say thank you for always making me feel like a valued guest. Aw, Rob. Uh, Last week, I interviewed Stephen Falk, who's the creator of You're the Worst, about that show. He is also formerly a Television Without Pity recapper (laughs) of shows, including Chains of Love, uh, The Street, uh, Road Rules, many, many others. Anyway, uh, we started off the the interview with um, a little bit of (laughs) discussion about his favorite flavored, quote, water, unquote, La Croix, or as he pronounced it, La Croix. Um, and today, when I came to, when I came to my desk, uh, there was an email from the director of communications at LaCroix who wanted Stephen's address so that she could send him a bunch of <laughs> water, which I think is amazingly awesome. And she's also Aww. going to, uh, they're going to put up the interview on their Facebook page, even though I described it as, uh, water with change in it. <laughs> 
which I stand by. It's terrible. It's so bad, but people love it. I don't know. I guess you have to like mineral water. It should be marked as such, not sparkling water. Send me some so I can try it out. <laughs> to a paraphrase Homer Simpson. Hello, flavor. Where are you? Um, I can email her and get her to send you some too, Sarah, so that you can uh, you can make a ruling on it. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's my tiny try. And thanks, LaCroix. <laughs> We just finished watching Season 9, Episode 7 of Face Off. But before we get to uh, Episode 7, let's talk a little bit about Episode 6, because there was no podcast last week. So who is the winner? I think it was Ben. Yes. And who is the loser? Jason. Right. Now let's move on, now that everybody's up to date, to Episode 7. Um, and it wasn't a foundation challenge. No. Instead, it was a... Um, I was about to say spotlight, a focus challenge. And what were they focusing on this week? The face. And what specifically about the face? What were they doing with faces? Um, making it, I think, we mentioned about whimsical. Uh, but they were turning men into women. Yes, I think you got me right there. Yes, so they, uh, they were taking inspiration from Shakespeare and turning male characters into female characters because back in the olden days, girls weren't allowed to be in the theater. Boo. Boo. And you were a little bit annoyed with this one when they were picking characters, weren't you? Yes, because Queen Mab isn't even in the play of Romeo and Juliet. But she was only mentioned in a speech, so why was she chosen? That's true. You never see her on stage in any of the plays, so why would they pick her? Because no one knows what she looks like, so no one knows how to judge it. And then there's another story for you. Yeah. Do you think that made it easier or harder for Meg because she picked Queen Mab? Harder. Yeah. And what did you think of this challenge of turning all the men into women characters? Did you think it was fun? I thought it looked fun, and I also thought that some looked like they were just playing drag. But I remember where all the boys started putting on wigs and having fun. You liked that part when the contestants were playing with the wigs. Yeah, it was fun just changing out wigs, slapping on costumes, it looked like fun. Yeah. And there were there were a few that did end up look like they were in drag, but there were some very good ones, too, where they actually made the, the men look like women. Who were in the top? It was Stevie and Meg. That's right. And who was in the bottom? Ricky and Evan. Now, Evan. Evan. Now, I want to tell you something funny about these two, because they were the people who started the wig party. So you thought they should do a good job because they could wear wigs well? <laughs> no, I just thought it was weird that the two bottom people were the two wig party stars. Oh, maybe they were in the bottom because they were having too much fun playing with wigs instead of focusing on the face. I think you might be right, because Ricky's... <laughs> 
went home because of his face, because he wasn't paying attention on his prosthetics, that they started peeling up. And then what did he do with the pieces that were peeling up? He started cutting them, which I don't think was a wise choice. I think he should have tried to fix it other than just cutting it and trying to start a new story. Right, with the scabs and scratching herself. Yeah. Because Ricky did Ophelia, and she was supposed to look young, and instead she just looked... Like she was almost in the coffin. Right. (laughs) Um, And in the end, who was the winner? It was Meg, her first win, and a break from being queen of the bottom three. Yeah, and who was the loser? It was Ricky. Yeah, did you think he deserved it? Yep, I think he deserved it in this challenge, but I still overall, I think I liked him during out the challenge in some of the best challenges. Like, he made a very impressive look within one hour. That's true. Well, thanks for speaking with me this week, Liv. You're welcome, and we'll see you next week. Bye. So, uh, who knew Liv was so up on her sister? (laughs) (laughs) She's real smart for a seven-year-old. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now Domer, Domer. for having Domer. listened to it. <laughs> Sarah, that was your closest one yet. <laughs> that was close. I wanted to go out on a high note, but not too high. All right. <laughs> so as Liv mentioned, uh, there was no podcast last week, so I, I skipped over a week of Under the Dome. I will try and shorthand it as much as I can. The baby that Eva had in the previous episode. Um, Just to remind people, this yeah. is it. This, this was is the it. last this dome is, ever. This is the last dome ever. Um, so in the in the penultimate episode of the season slash series, um, the baby got put in a cocoon so it could um, grow up to adulthood. <laughs> yep. And when it came out, it had superhuman powers and it could run really really fast. And it was it looked exactly like her mother. It was a girl. She looked exactly like her mother with blue contact lenses and a weird like. Prince Valiant slash He-Man wig. Um, she, uh, Chris, right around the time that Christine made sure that she, the baby got cocooned, um, all of Christine's alien power got drained out of her. So she was back to being human just in time for this thing to become an adult and then kill her by throwing her into the dome where she got absorbed into the dome. Something we'd never seen happen before and made no Wait, sense. What? She got absorbed into the dome. And I, like, I'm what? sorry, I shouldn't even ask anything. Just <laughs> ignore me. Keep going. Well, she, no, she didn't act like like she got absorbed, but like she got thrown into the dome, mm-hmm. and like the dome was all like calcified at the bottom. Oh yeah, yeah. So she turned into like kind of a rock and sunk into the <laughs> dome. It was like it made no sense. It was great. There was nothing that nothing that had happened prior to this point indicated that that was something you could do with a human. So if the new queen, which is what this super fast grown up baby was, um, had magic powers, they really came and went like they never were a factor after we saw her running super fast. Nothing in the finale showed that she had any kind of, you know, uh, magic or alien or supernatural powers. Uh, Anyway, that was the penultimate episode. So in the finale, um, God, I don't know where to start. <laughs> I Did seriously Julia don't die? know where to start. Julia didn't die. Junior died. No. Junior died. Yay! Got stabbed Yay! by his father, Dean Norris. Um, 
Nori didn't die. Joe didn't die. A bunch of people died. Um, Barbie is still, even though he's seen his daughter like running back and forth, popped out of a cocoon, is still like, but I have to, I can't kill her. She's my daughter. She's not. Um, she's an alien. There is a whole thing all through the season of Christine like narrating instructions to the new queen into this digital recorder. And it was like a whole thing where they had to crack the password and make sure that they could find out what her evil plan was. Seriously boiled down to 13 seconds in the finale of the new queen listening to it. Um, somehow, Indy, which was Big Jim's dog, got out of the bomb shelter where he left it and managed to come and free him from the prison with a key on its collar. Because the drone guard that they had posted to guard the jail didn't think, first of all, let him have his dog in jail, which what? And then didn't think, maybe I'll search this dog before I let him into the jail cell. None of that happened. Oh, also, the other important thing that happened in the penultimate episode was everyone who's still in there who was not um, fully human, like all of the what they're calling drones, all of them at some point acquired and changed into matching navy blue t-shirts and like Dickies work pants. Somehow they had them in everybody's size including children um in the dome for 2,000 people we're told is how many were still there like in this tiny town they had that many clothes i'm so sure probably had an american apparel store there <laughs> yeah right so um, american apparel, american apparel oh. yeah. uh then um there the other person that got one of the other people that got killed was the eddie cahill character sam in a fight with junior where we're supposed to think that there are super stakes here because they're fighting over who gets to be the alpha which is the mate of the new queen even though both of them are evil aliens at this point and the only distinction between them is that both of them were willing to drown a whole bunch of senior citizens in the previous episode but junior <laughs> was gonna also drown a bunch of kids and that's beyond the pale like what who cares Anyway, Junior uh, stabbed him with a piece of rebar and he died. Uh, the guard got killed with a baseball trophy that Big Jim like knocked him out with because Big Jim's bomb shelter was full of his trophies from when he was a kid. Who puts fucking trophies from when they were a kid in their fucking bomb shelter? It's taking up room that could be taken up with food. Stupid. Um... Then well, you forgot the bit where it left baseball stitches. It left stitch baseball marks stitch marks on his head. It was like a bronze baseball. <laughs> That's what he got bludgeoned to death with. Uh, then Joe went into the middle of, they created this, it, Joe somehow from Christine's fucking doodle of a schematic of the de-dominator managed to build it. <laughs> Went and stood in the middle, whistled. He that brought down the dome. So, like two thirds of the way through the episode, uh, the dome comes down. Then we see uh, all of the people have been the legit people, the humans that are not alien controlled, are in government custody. Yes, Dave. Uh, when the dome comes down, it releases a Star Trek slash Star Wars special edition style shockwave, right? Which throws everybody back. Right. But then Barbie just ducks under it casually as yeah. it comes towards him. <laughs> Yeah, we think Joe is dead, but spoiler alert, he ends up being alive. He's just in government custody. No one cares. There's not going to be another season. So so they're all in government custody. They're uh, getting debriefed by <laughs> fucking Dan Florek decides to parachute in for the final episode. A God oh, only knows why. No. He's an army colonel. And uh, this is what he has to say after recapping everything that's happened in the first three seasons. A story about body-snatching aliens and pink stars is not a story that we can allow the world to know. I wish that had been true, Dan Florek! <laughs> I wish that had been true. 
but it's not. So then Big Jim <laughs> agrees to uh, go and sell the cover story in front of all of the world's press because he says this has been an international story that everyone in the world has been interested in. I've seen zero evidence of that. There's no reporters anywhere near it. We keep we hear about the dome is surrounded by the military. We just have to take everyone's word for it because there's no visuals of that at all. And they, yet as soon as the dome comes down, there's like two soldiers for every one person inside to take them away. One year later, uh, fucking Barbie proposes to Julia as if anyone gives a shit. Nori has enlisted in the army and gotten bangs, finally. Big Jim is a congressman. (laughs) And Eva, who they all thought died in a chasm in a concrete factory as soon as the dome came down, turns out to be like a preschool teacher and alive and they find another dome and then blackout. That's another another dome, another egg, so that she can start another dome somewhere else, presumably. Except in the scene, she just leaves it sitting there. The end. <laughs> Such a bunch of bullshit. I please tell me that she was um, using the egg as like a paperweight for the construction paper in her preschool classroom. No, it was in a field. Oh, there were a bunch of little kids that were like daring each other to touch it. That's it. It was so bad, you guys. Yeah, Dave watched it. Yeah, I, I did. I, I came back for the finale, and uh, I can I can uh, confirm that as bad as it sounds, it was worse to watch. People who read my post were like, "That all happened in an hour." The answer is yes. It all it all did happen in an hour, and it was all fucking crazy. So and now it's over. You survived. And now it's Thank over. God. I survived. Please, guys, if you've enjoyed these segments, please go to the site to previously TV and read my posts on Under the Dome because <laughs> there's a huge amount of fucking crazy detail that does not make it into these podcast uh, mini recaps and it's important I put a lot of effort into this dump show way <laughs> yeah, more than anyone lock. who wrote wrote on it actually did true um, so I, I would really appreciate you uh, visiting these posts make my sacrifice worthwhile thank you for listening I survived Tara I'm glad that your misery is over yes. but uh, I'm a little sad as well um i enjoy your anger i enjoyed the <laughs> sheer stupidity of the show like like there have been worse shows on tv but For sure. not of this ex- you know high level of exposure not major network mm-hmm. you know uh major author tied to it they put some money behind it yep uh and they just had no fucking idea what they were doing they were going from week to week making shit up yep and it's just a marvel that it lasted three seasons not just making shit up and like adding new shit contradicting on a, 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 stuff within a scene within a speech that like, would like contradict what had come before i'm not even in kidding this day and age you cannot make a sci-fi or sci-fi tin show yep that doesn't have a set rules for its universe because mm-hmm. people are just so in tune to that now, right? I mean, yep. the world is run by nerds now, and you have to like build a show like this, knowing that it's going to be picked apart. Yep. Uh, by first a lot of people, and then some people, and then eventually just you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can if people say that the book is good, I never will read it, obviously. Yeah. But I, I've heard that it is, and I I can imagine that this could have been a good part project on anywhere other than CBS. Like this is basically the worst fit of subject matter and network. Maybe ever. But as we say, now it's over. Let's move on. Time to go around the dial, Tara. Um, just a brief mention that Playing House did wind up its first, uh, sorry, second season last week with two killer back-to-back episodes. The one where 
Uh, Emma plans the policeman's the officer of the year bar ball. It's not bar. It has a bar ball. Um, and we get to see Keegan Michael Key in a tuxedo. Really makes the entire rest of the series worthwhile. If, is and it- also life and having eyeballs. <laughs> I'm just gonna put that out there. And he dances too, and he does like full splits and then pops up like James Brown style. It's fucking amazing. And um, as I wrote on the set on previously TV, the the season finale is is really more about the two of them as friends, Aunt Maggie and Emma, and not if, hardly anything about Emma's boy drama, which is as it should be. And it was a beautiful way to end the season. I'm not even exaggerating. Beautiful is 100% the word I mean. And I cried twice. It's a great, a great, great show. Two great episodes to close it out. I really hope it gets a third season because it's wonderful. Also this week, uh, last week, last, uh, sorry, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert premiered. I watched every episode last week. Um, you may have already seen some posts or some tweets or whatever about the Joe Biden interview that he did on Thursday night, which was uh, incredible. And I say that, obviously, full disclosure, as a huge Joe Biden fan, but it, it was really um, sensitive and sweet and talked about the unbelievable losses that he has suffered in his life. And obviously, Stephen Colbert has, too, if you don't know, his his father and at least one of his brothers died in a plane crash when he was pretty young. Um, so the two of them have been through some shit, and it was um, an interview that no one else could have done, I think. Uh, in general, the show is, like, finding its way still. Um, it's It was a really weird mix of guests for the first week. Like, having the CEO of Uber in your third episode of a late night show yeah, is that was weird. We, I got a distinct we can't say no to anyone right now vibe. So I, I guess it'll settle down, I think. I, I think so, too. Um, but yeah, it was it was rough because I mean, I don't pay attention to what Jimmy Kimmel does, but Jimmy Fallon last week had like Justin Timberlake and Donald Trump and a lot of like really, really big names to compete with that first week. And he he got some better uh, 18 to 49 ratings, at least in those first few episodes. Um, But I love Stephen Colbert. I will obviously keep watching. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that they'll kind of figure out what they're trying to do and that it won't be as strange. Yeah, Please no more seven minute long musical. Oh, God. That seemed like like finale yeah rather than a first episode and they, the very first episode closed out with a sing-along of like not a sing-along but a performance of everyday people with a whole bunch of like really seemed like randomly selected guest appearers like some guy in a cowboy hat who was only playing a tambourine i still don't know who that was i thought they were just <laughs> audience members for the until like somebody came out that you're like oh that's so-and-so like, i okay. recognize buddy guy and the lead singer of the alabama shakes and that might be it so yeah i don't know What's up with that? The first episode I thought was really uneven, although mm-hmm. I really did enjoy the product placement skit with the, the Sabra hummus thing. Yeah, that was that was great. Skull thing. I love that too. Yeah, that but yeah, so and far so did Sabra hummus. Yeah. They were like, "That's hilarious!" They and did. totally incorporated it into their marketing immediately, which I thought was pretty. Well, hilarious, it was. So. It was. I mean, that wasn't. I mean, that was paid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was they just did have the thing at the end. It says that was paid placement right but it was still funny that oh yeah that, that they, they embraced it they could have not extended it yeah yeah but still nothing has topped that joe biden interview so check it out it's on the it's on the internet Him. okay so i have spent the summer doing a lot of things but one of them is watching the good wife it for my marathon diary that i've been writing on previously.tv mm-hmm. and i am happy to say that as of Two nights ago, I finished all 134 Ooh, episodes. Hey, good, hey, good job. Hey. So, Especially that last later- bit. That's really an accomplishment. Oh. 
telling me something. So look for later this week, my final installment on previously.tv. But just to give you a little preview of what I thought, um, I think The Good Wife is a good show overall. I probably will continue to watch it. I kind of expected after this, and maybe it would have been different if I'd done this before this most recent season mm-hmm. aired. Yeah. Uh, I kind of thought by the time I finished, I'd be like, yes, I'm so into this show. Like so many people that I know and whose opinions I respect really love the show and talk, have talked about it that I was like, I'm going to love this show. And once I have a chance to sit down and watch it, I'm going to be totally into it. And eh, yeah, kinda. <laughs> I think the strength of the show overall is the in the relationships between the characters, uh, the interesting cases, kind of the rip from the headlines. They bring up some really interesting issues, uh, some of which I'm actually going to use in one of the college courses that I'm teaching. Oh, nice. And and the guest casting is really good. And actually, we, my husband and I were just talking about one of the episodes today because we went to the library. Our library has a 3D printer. And I said, oh, they were talking about that on The Good Wife because they 3D printed a gun and who's responsible? Right. So we were talking about that. Yep. Um, I think the show's weakness is the characters' motivations often seem random. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, Kalinda, I complained <laughs> about this, I think in my most recent diary, Yeah, but it was true. It's been true kind of throughout. I have, I never, she left the show this season at the end of the season. I never had any idea why she was doing pretty much anything she was doing <laughs> other than to forward the plot. Right. Um, I kind of feel the same about Peter Florek. I yeah. never really know what his deal is. Does he want to stay married to Alicia? Does he not want to? Does he want to in name only and then he can get some on the side? Who knows? The show has never really explained that to us. Yeah. Um, and those are just two examples. And I, I feel that way about a lot of the characters where they'll do something and I'll think, I don't have any idea how this character feels about what's happening mm-hmm. or why, like what their motivation was for doing this other than just, we needed a story this week, which is pretty weak. I think when it comes to motivations, um, I thought season six, and this is not uh, going out on a limb was the weakest of all the seasons, mostly because it turned out that nothing mattered. I mean, Carrie yeah. was supposed to go to jail, but then he didn't go to jail. Mm-hmm. Alicia's going to run for state's attorney, but then she's not going to be state's attorney. Alicia might hook up with various people, but then she's not going to hook up with anyone. So what's the point? Why did I just watch this whole season if every storyline that they introduced by the end of the season is null and void? Um, so I hope that with season seven, which I think premieres October 4th, they get back to more of the relationships between the different characters. I really love the relationship between like Alicia and Diane, for example, yep. Alicia and Carrie. And I feel like we didn't get to see any of that in this season, this most recent season, because of the machinations of, you know, oh, this firm is splitting up and Alicia's off running for state's attorney and whatever. So I hope they get back to that and show us some. Uh, interesting cases again, which is another thing I felt like the, especially the state's attorney race mm-hmm. and Carrie's potential prison time really took away from. So I will continue to watch, but I was like many viewers, very disappointed in this most recent season. Yeah, I would like to see that show do more episodes from other characters point of view because like when you talked about how we don't know what Peter's deal is, that's really true. And like a care, an episode that was all through the lens of, 
him would be really Mm -hmm. interesting because he he obviously chris noth is like can sustain a storyline like that and a lot of times alicia is the least interesting (laughs) character and that was like that came out the most in this season where she was supposed to be trying to ingratiate herself to the public in this in this political campaign because like she has never been someone who wants to do that ever like certainly not on her own behalf definitely not on peter so it was weird to see her trying to put herself out there when like that's not something that she's suited to do so yeah i mean yeah and like they they i'm sorry dave they um they they kept saying everybody loves the public loves alicia do they why yeah, why i don't know the public yeah, love why alicia? she's kind of and they keep saying you know she she Really, she wants to run for state's attorney. Why does she? Yeah, it's never. It was never explained. And I think um, Peter could be a really interesting character. But you know, as we said, I have no idea what he's about, what he wants, what his point is. It just seems like he drops in whenever it's politically convenient. Yeah. I also think he's probably the least effective governor of all time because every time they show him, he's basically just sitting in his office reading paper. Like, what does he do as governor? <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Except campaign for his wife, apparently. Yeah. Anyway. What, what were you going to say, Dave? Uh, that on a mini a uh, long time ago, I pitched that American TV should embrace the UK Christmas special idea. Yeah. And I think they should do that. And then when it comes around to this this show, they should do like a 22 short stories about the good wife yeah. style thing where they take all <laughs> these great secondary and tertiary characters. Yeah. Like um, David Lee. Yeah, who's the lady, the crazy lady? Oh, Elspeth. Yeah, and uh, the uh, doughy white guy maybe has dementia lawyer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some of the judges. Yeah, yeah. And you give yeah. them all like five minutes in an episode. <laughs> yeah. And that that's your yeah. Christmas special. You can't really, it's not really a show you can do that in the regular run, but I think if we got this Christmas special idea going, they can sort of break the rules, you know, do their Sherlock back in the 1800s kind of episode. or whatever. Totally. Yeah. All right, Sarah, what do you got? Um, I'd like to talk about the missing evidence, which is a like limited event series on the Smithsonian channel. Wait, hear me out or continue <laughs> sleeping, whatever you'd like. Um, I wrote up the premiere a couple weeks ago. It was about Jack the Ripper. Um, I didn't agree with the show's conclusions, but I respected their research and it's not as crackpotty a theory as some that I could mention whose proponents name uh, rhyme with Patricia Fornwell. Uh, I also watched the 9-11-based one, uh, which aired not yesterday as we record this, this most recent Sunday, but the Sunday before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obviously not the most fun you've ever had watching TV in your life as far as having to see the Twin Towers go down like 28 times while they're explaining like the science behind it. But they do a really good job explaining science behind their theory of why it may have looked like a controlled demolition. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the rare instance of a show like this that doesn't rely on irrelevant B-roll and constant repetition. It's interesting and well-paced, but it's not like over-edited to the point of distraction. So you don't notice they really only have 24 minutes of content. (laughs) Um, I recommend it. The next episode is about Bigfoot, which is a point of marital contention in my home, i.e. Explain how. Pretends to deeply care much more than he does just to annoy me, which totally works. Um, He is also our official Bigfoot correspondent at Previously.tv. We don't need such a thing, but he's decided that's what he's doing. But I have a feeling like of all the Bigfoot content that I have extremely impatiently and sullenly sat through on behalf of my uh, groom that this one might actually be kind of amazing and I will report back. Hey, awesome. have you watched the Bigfoot 
six million dollar man episodes uh probably <laughs> ask, they're important ask him do i ha- first, can first, you t- ask him <laughs> <laughs> I don't, because there will be a YouTube thing. and <laughs> Yeah, okay. This is really his only flaw. <laughs> you ask him. Okay, we'll do. Was that it for... Yes. Okay. Uh, quickly, I want to talk about the upcoming Fox show Minority Report, oh, yeah, which we, we watched w- the pilot of. We did. We watched and this. Oh, yeah. I just want to say, if you loved Almost Human <sighs> the way I did, which was it was an incredibly stupid, enjoyable show, if you took the joy out of it, yeah, <laughs> and just made it boring, stupid. That show would be Minority Report. It is like so much like the building blocks of Almost Human. It's so corny. It's like the cop partnered up with the robot slash Spectrum mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. You know, in 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 Minority Report, it's like one of those guys that was sitting in the milk from the movie. Yep. And now they're like mm. out in the world, but they don't really know how to act. It's like the same show, except there's no stupid joy in it. And it takes place in the future, obviously. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's really stupid. It's bad. And um, no Michael Ely. Boo. Yeah, no Michael Ely. But um, I will say, what is the name of the lady who's in it? Oh, Megan Good from that show Deception that was on for five minutes yeah. that I watched because Victor Garber was in it. Shut up. Um, she's so pretty. <laughs> it almost makes it worthwhile just to get to see her face. She's really beautiful. Just but they, they give her such stupid crap to do. It's terrible. Anyways. Yeah. Also, it's uh, it's supposed to be DC, and DC has never looked more Toronto-y. Like it's completely <laughs> takes place like around and inside the Eaton Center. Like they're not even trying. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> Chewie, an imperial robot is searching for the rebel base. It's Kenner's Torres and Fobot playset. You have to put it together. Let's check it out, Chewbacca. Keep <laughs> me covered with our laser cannon. Action figures each sold separately. You can move Han Solo with the action lever and knock out the probot. Turret and Probot playset from Kenner's Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately. All right, so this commercial is not as oh, bad God, as some of the yay, not as, yay. as bad of yeah, some of the other ones I played. Um, but I will say this: one is that I'm pretty sure the Probot, which is the spider squid looking uh, surveillance droid from Empire Strikes Back, not to be confused with Lobot. No. <laughs> Really not to be fused with FX7, which also has a bunch of arms. Yes. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. 
but the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now. The bed. Yeah. Um, but um, the probot actually has a couple arms that exhibit um, a looseness that was pretty common to those toys. Like they couldn't get one that actually was perfect for the commercial, which is kind of funny because the arms are flopping around where they should be kind of stiff. Um, and the yay at the end, there's there's two kids playing, but the yay at the end has got at least four or five voices <laughs> in it. Yeah. So I don't and know, they had an audience. Seven, because they're like, yay, yeah. louder. <laughs> but really this commercial is all about the terrible Chewbacca impression of that yeah. one kid. Let's hear that again. Let's check it out, Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> not even trying. Not even trying. Hi, Beth. Your loving Chip wants to wish you a very happy seventh wedding anniversary. The seventh year, as you know, is the wool anniversary, and Chip has a special song just for you. Our relationship is everything that wool is about: love, warmth, chafed skin. <laughs> Oh, noble sheep, we eat your babies. We use your brain to fight off rabies. But the most beautiful gift you give us is wool. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Chip and Beth, from Happy everyone here. Oh, extra hot great. All right, it's time for the canon. Tara is pitching something this week. Take it away, Tara. Yeah, I haven't done this in such a long time. It was really hard to choose. Um, this was a tough call because, as listeners know, I like to win, um, which means I had to pick a TV episode I thought had a better than 50% shot at getting Sarah's vote. Um, but I tend to lean towards sitcoms because they have more rewatchability for me, and that means they lodge themselves better in my head. But the sitcom is a genre Sarah tends to hate. But then I remembered <laughs> that one of my favorite sitcoms, which I know she doesn't regularly watch and maybe hasn't ever watched, had a couple of episodes that featured an actor who is pure bunt nip. I was going to say pure uncut bunt nip, but I haven't had the pleasure, which is oh. why I have chosen to submit oh, 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 oh. for the canon Veep Season 3, Episode 7, Special Relationship featuring one Mr. Christopher Maloney. <laughs> so other than the overarching story of can how... We, can we refer to that as Maloney's baloney? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Um, other than the overarching story of how American politics works, most episodes of Veep are pretty self-contained. The arc for season three is that it's a presidential election year. The current president has announced that he won't seek re-election, so the titular vice president, Selena Meyer, has, is campaigning for the office herself. And this particular episode has her coming at the campaign from an angle, as it were. She's in England for the centenary of the start of the First World War and to accomplish one of the administration's policy goals, but mostly to drum up good press and goodwill. 
So really the only background other than that that you need to know is that in the episode before this one, we met Ray, Selena's trainer, though to borrow an episode from 30 Rocky might more accurately be described as her sex idiot. And if you've seen Chris Maloney, you know this is a job anyone who looks like him was built to perform, and I do mean built. Dan has hired him specifically to work Selena out on the campaign trail and keep her relaxed, air quotes. This episode features several plot threads that run throughout the series. Uh, to give the characters their motivations and the stories their crackle. Number one, Selena's competitiveness. So in the thick of it, the British political sitcom that Armando Iannucci created before Veep, the hero, anti-hero to some, was the unelected strategist Malcolm Tucker, played by Peter Capaldi. Ministers were sort of interchangeable on that show, um, but uniformly short-sighted and hapless. Uh, Iannucci has said in interviews that he had to learn that Americans will expect to see their protagonist win sometimes, and we often get glimpses at the effective politician that Selena had to have been in order to be added to the never-seen president's ticket in the first place. And here that comes out in her interactions with Deputy Prime Minister Peter Mitchell, played by British Hay It's That Guy Darren Boyd, who, fun fact, played Julie Louis-Dreyfus's boyfriend on the late weird sitcom Watching Ellie in the early 2000s. Uh, Peter has an idea that the offices of a fictional international security organization are about to go to Frankfurt instead of London, which Selena's not supposed to confirm, but is actually true. And when she dodges Peter's questions about it, the subject he changes to is no more comfortable for Selena. The matter of a censure vote coming up in the House of Commons over rumors of the U.S. spying on its allies. <clears throat> After Peter needles both Gary and Ray about it. Uh, Selena clearly marks him as a foe for life, which is unfortunate because he shows up the next day at her photo op in a pub, which we hear in clip one. What a charming little pub. I have to say, this is just the most delightful place. I can imagine Harry Potter getting loaded in here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Although, well, well, he's a, a small child, so underage. But uh... Oh, right. Yes, of course. Of course. Although I think the, the actor now is, is quite a grown man. Yes, right? the actor, he's... yes. But the, uh, the original, the literary version, which, yes. of course, is the fictional story of a child witch, uh, so would very much still be considered a minor. Right. Actually, I think it's, actually, it's a wizard. Yep. Yeah. Right. Um, Same. So <laughs> the purpose of the visit is to make Selena look folksy since Dan has determined that she needs to boost her number with numbers with blue collar voters. Uh, Peter is prepared to undermine her. She won't let it happen. So uh, what are you having then, man? Uh, huh. What am I having? What would you recommend that I have at this lovely place? <clears throat> oh, um, how about a nice Pinot Noir? Oh, that sounds divine i'm joking it. no that's no. uh he, he won't um, um i think to me you look like a bitter person maybe which I, is a type of beer don't worry it's just a joke just just playing bitter is a horrible beer well she's gonna drink it and she's gonna smile Gary. okay i got some peppermint i got digestive enzymes do you want me to just put that in my bag I, okay so uh, okay. would you like to do the honors man i'm not sure pulling a pint yes yes oh yes i would i would absolutely love to do that well stroll on down and i'll show you out okay gang if you guys want to start all right guys here, the uh, the vice president is now going to pull a pint just said that just said that okay. yep yep Oh. Okay. Well, cheers. Here we cheers. are. Cheers. Cheers. That's lovely. She's still chugging and she winks at him. Bottoms <laughs> <laughs> hey! up, man. Get it down, you Selena. Danny one, sweetheart. What? What did you say? Danny one. Danny one. Okay. Danny one. Danny one. Danny one. Danny one. This up. I think we just landed a catchphrase. They're not saying Danny Watt, they're saying down in one. Moron. Danny Watt! 
Like a lot of Selena antagonists, Peter Mitchell is a much taller person. But one of the things I love about the show and the casting of Julia Louis-Dreyfus as Selena is that even though she's teeny tiny, uh, the viewer never gets the sense that these dudes ever dominates her, even as he's looming over her physically. And the moment in the pub where she almost gets her whole pint of beer down in one and winks over the lip of the glass is a subtle way of giving her a different kind of physical advantage over her adversary. But anyway, that closing exchange between Dan and Amy at the end of the clip leads us nicely to the second plot thread this episode showcases. Number two, Amy and Dan fighting for mommy's attention. So the path having cleared for Selena to run for president herself meant Amy and Dan had to jockey for position harder than ever before as both vied to be named Selena's campaign manager. Uh, Dan got it. Amy's not okay with it. But fortunately for her at this stage of the series, she can take advantage of the third plot thread, which is number three, Jonah as professional Meyer antagonist. Uh, formerly a West Wing staffer, Jonah got fired, started his own political co- gossip blog, unwisely called Ryantology, and sold it. And while he's technically employed by another candidate's campaign, he's still available for manipulation by someone purporting to be a sexy English bird. Amy, obviously, working against Dan. Clip three. Jonah Ryan, Maddox team. Is this uh, Ryantology, Jonah Ryan? Yeah, one and the same. I'm a big fan of your website. Oh, thank you. Actually, I don't run it anymore. Oh, what a shame. I was going to give you a story about Ray Whelan's Selena Meyer's trainer. You know, I do still run it. I was uh, just looking at one of my feeds right now. I'm prepared to be astonished. Oh, I'm ready for anything with that accent. Uh, but Amy wouldn't even have a scoop to feed Jonah if not for the final story thread this episode is going to explore. Number four, Selena's horrible judgment in men. Uh, Selena's still got the hots for her sketchy ex-husband. She's had functionaries dump boyfriends for her in the past. She's just not lucky in love or love-adjacent pursuits. And not only is Ray no exception, he's really the worst one yet. So we hear in clip four. I need a stiff fucking drink. In related news, Ray's talking. Oh, God. To smart people? Yeah, he's currently with a woman from the Bank of England. It's like watching a goat trying to use an ATM. Got to. Because money is just a concept. You know, we believe in it because we're too scared not to. There's no intrinsic value to it. It's not like muscles in your arms. Okay, well, I think that's that's quite a superficial analysis. You know what intrinsic means? Yeah. Yeah, I try to learn a word a day. I love words very ardently. Yeah. Sorry, um, who are you again? <laughs> so, with, with Danny Waugh already trending and turned to Danny Blah at the expense of Dan Egan by tabloid wags, Ray helps prep Selena for the World War I memorial ceremony by advising her on headgear, which he sucks at, but to be fair, apparently so does everyone else on her staff, none of whom let her know that fancy hats are really more for weddings than somber anniversaries of international conflict. But it's not just the hats Ray wants to weigh in on, though. He's also got notes on the speech Mike has written for Selena in the next clip. Mike? Yes, ma'am. I want to talk to you about this uh, speech for the World War I service, okay? Very proud of it, ma'am. I give this one 100% effort, as I do everything I write for you. Okay, I'm not sure about this. Uh, To honor all who fell in frozen Flanders fields and hold their memory fresh. It's just a little bit too effy for me. Yeah. Do you know? Well, it's kind of the idea, ma'am. I mean, it's poetic. Yeah, but we're trying to appeal to the blue-collar demographic, right? Not the poet's. I agree. Ray agrees. <laughs> so, 16 million perished. No, well, they didn't. They died, so just say that. The loss, though impossible to adequately comprehend, that sentence is impossible to comprehend. Just say, uh, hard to understand, you know, plain English. <laughs> I, I kind of agree. Mm. 
I could normalify this for you. No. <laughs> no. No, 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 just listen, just listen. He's got sort of a working class touch, which is something that's valuable, and we should listen to it. I printed a copy of the speech from the G folder. Why does he have access to the G folder? I don't even have access to the G folder. Yes, you do, Mike, we all do. It's the general file on the iCloud. Well, everything was much easier when it was just floppy disks. Uh, to paraphrase my fair lady, we need to get to the fucking church on time. One second. So, Mike, what's your favorite part of this speech? Okay. This is like Gettysburg. Beneath the, beneath the dark soil of Passchendaele, 100,000 bodies still lie unaccounted for. Let today be their funeral service and we their mourners. How about this? There's a whole lot of guys who never came home. Good guys. Here's to those guys. Holy fucking Christ. What is that, Ray? I'm just spitballing. Okay, so Mike might not appreciate Ray's notes, but when Selena delivers a speech, we learn that she does. Let's remember the guys who never came home. Here's to the good guys. Boy, they were good guys, weren't they? They were. (laughs) Uh, After the service, Peter makes Selena talking to the German chancellor about the security office going to Frankfurt because even on her itty bitty body, the huge derby hat Ray picked out for her is visible over the top of a divider. So therefore, he's in an especially pissy mood later when he and Selena run a press conference together at which Selena finds out about the story that Amy leaked to Jonah in clip seven. Nick Hadley, Daily Express. Okay. Madam Vice President, can you comment on the on the breaking story about your uh, your personal trainer, Ray Whelans? Uh, or would you like to comment? Huh. Well, I, I, I don't know what story it is you're referring to. I'm so sorry. I don't... Uh, he wrote an essay saying, really obese children are possessed by the devil as a punishment for past sins. Uh, wow. Goodness. I really Way to go, Dan. Way to go, Ray. Yeah, no, just throw the blame around. Not on me, though. It's not my fault. Of course, <laughs> I don't know anything about it. The essay is online here. Is it? Okay. It's a, a thoroughly bizarre story. That's called cosmic balance. It's not anything the Buddha didn't talk about. Yeah, well, Buddha's got a big fat ass, Ray. I believe in karma. Does that make me weird? Yes. Yes! (laughs) It just has quotes leaping out. Here's one. Body fat stores all that is bad in us, too much, and the host is enveloped in sin. Guys, I wrote a treatise a couple years ago. I write a lot of treatises. It's treatises, Ray. The normal (laughs) plural. So Selena tries to get out of it, but old friend Peter is not having it. So this idea that fat is fate, that's nonsense, is it? Um, I am certain that the Deputy Prime Minister would like to move on now to the matters at hand. Oh, I, I, I think we're in it now. I think we probably should uh, maybe see this through to the end. And this is pretty much where things start falling apart for real. Selena has to try to spin by including herself among Peter people who've struggled with their diets, finally getting cornered into giving her highest weight. Ben announces that he's been summoned back to D.C. and pieces out. And then Dan forgets how to stand. Uh, well, uh, oh, God. Hey, you get your hands off me, all right? I don't want to catch your fucking idiots. Okay. I can... Oh, he's having a heart attack. You having a heart no, no, attack? No, no, no. I think he's just having a breakdown. I think this is Easy. like indigestion or something. It's, I don't think I should have eaten that scotch egg. Is that that egg with the sausage wrapped around it? <laughs> Never mind. Not important. Ray, <laughs> I need to speak with you privately. Mike, you're in charge. Yes, sir. Oh, my God, Mike. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got this. I got this. Siri... 
Ray Whelan's treati- treatises. Okay. okay. <laughs> Poor Kent then has to try to fire Ray, who's both not trying to hear that and also kind of can't. People are disturbed by your role. Yeah, they think folks who are physical can't be cerebral. I think those two things are separate, that they're not symbiotic. No, 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 you don't understand. I do, I do. Look, people think that, you know, he's a fitness guy. How can he know about politics? I get you, Ken. Again, I don't think you do. People think Selena's judgment is bad if she listens to people like you, whose beliefs are very... Stupid. Exactly. People. Oh, you're not getting it. <laughs> you know, the brain is a muscle. No, it isn't. Cut. You really <laughs> don't get it. So I'm going to keep this very simple. You're fired. I get you. Very simple. Yes, it is. Great. I'm so pleased we had this talk. Let's see where we all are in a month or so. This is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Selena manages to claw her way out of the press conference in order to get a terrible update from Mike. Where is everybody? Dan had a nervous collapse. Amy's taking him to the hospital. Ben went back to D.C. Kent's firing Ray. And I'm in charge. Fuck. All right. <laughs> uh, once Selena finds out that the House has voted to censure the U.S. administration, after all, she decides... England can kick rocks, but on the drive back to collect everyone's shit at the U.S. ambassador's residence, Gary takes the opportunity of an otherwise empty car to offer his boss some real talk. Okay, ma'am, I gotta say something, so do not interrupt me, all right? I will interrupt you whenever I want to interrupt you. Okay, okay. But this is exactly like what right I... right now, if I wanted to interrupt you right now... Okay, Ray is poison. But... He's got nothing to do with wellness. He's a sickness, and you got him bad, and you got to get rid of him. Do, do you actually think that I don't know that? I just, I just got Brit-fucked by that balloon animal. <laughs> He's gone. Trust me. <laughs> that is such a huge relief. He was getting into everything, you know? I know, I know. I mean, my God. Dan only hired him as a sex slave. <sighs> what? <laughs> uh, which is why, just as Dan in his hospital bed has finished thanking Amy for being his true friend, Amy gets a call telling her Dan's fired as Selena's campaign manager. Uh, Amy even gets out clean on the leak because Jonah, having no idea she was behind it, shows up to take credit and gloat. So everyone's waiting to get on Air Force Two, including Ray, who for some reason still thinks he can mooch a ride back to America on it. And please watch this episode on HBO Ghost for the visual joke of Ray, Chris Maloney, walking in with like 700 suitcases on his shoulders, like a water bottle with a smoothie in it. It's really funny. Anyway, when Kent returns to reveal why Ben had to leave in such a hurry. Uh, ma'am, um... I'm afraid I have some bad news. Oh, my God. Seriously? Okay, let's just add it to the fucking heap. The First Lady has attempted to take her own life. Oh, what? How? Overdose of sleeping pills and vodka. That's why uh, POTUS sent for Ben. It was touch and go there for a while, but... Uh, oh. <sighs> really makes you put your own problems into perspective, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Seriously. It does. Although your problems are still pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> I couldn't help but overhear, but I always thought that lady was a little damaged. Jesus fucking Christ. You're fired. Okay, get out. Unbelievable. Isn't it? <laughs> 
So on any other show, that would probably be the closer, but there's still more. Selena names Amy her new campaign manager, and then back at the hospital, uh, Jonah checks in with the patient. Okay, let's check out your chart. Let's see how you're doing here. Okay. All right. Dan Egan, 67, female. Unemployed campaign manager. 30 different types of semen pumped from stomach. Inverted nipples. Abnormally high douche readings. That makes sense. Cancer of the soul. Traces of dog excrement found around the corners of mouth. Chronic cretinism. Leprosy. Anal bleeding. Uh... Tiny child balls. <laughs> so, all right. So I think the the weakness of this episode is the hat bit, which is dumb, um, particularly since I refuse to believe that a woman as stylish as Selena would think it was appropriate to wear to a memorial. Uh, but the rest of the episode is an in- as intricately crafted as a Swiss watch. One of Veep's strengths is, is in choosing the right comic performers for guest shots. And Chris Maloney, obviously one of the all-time greats, is hilarious as a crazy idiot trying to blend in with the high-functioning type A politicos he somehow thinks are his peers. And in the subtler asshole role, Darren Boyd also shines as the deputy prime minister. And even if none of that were true, I feel like this episode was still deserved to get into the canon for Jonah's closing speech alone. But there is more to it than that, and I hope you all found it as exceptional and canon worthy as I did. Kim. <clears throat> okay. Uh, I enjoy Veep a great deal. Uh, I like Sarah is to Chris Maloney. I think I am to Reed Scott. I will uh, watch anything yes. he is in. Mm-hmm. Starting with my boys, moving on. I thought the reason I started watching Veep, I probably would watch it anyway, but the reason I really wanted to watch it was because he's in it. I love him. Um, and I think it's weird to say somebody is underrated when they've won awards for their role, but I really think that Anna Klumsky is amazing yeah. on this show. Mm-hmm. And especially when you think about, you know, she was in My Girl and then she was in nothing for a really long time. And then, you know, now she's in this. Um, her reactions shots, even when she's not speaking, are amazing. Yeah. And I think the thing that's great about this show, the thing I enjoy anyway, is that uh, in every episode, pretty much everything that can go wrong does go wrong. <laughs> yeah. And then the different characters, instead of solving the problems, they just make them worse <laughs> yep. by lying or trying to pass the blame. Um, and it, that sounds like – it kind of sounds like that would be a terrible show, but it is <laughs> hilarious. So, um, yeah, I, I liked this episode. I – can't think actually i was trying to think of what's a bad episode of veep and i can't really think of one but i enjoyed this one especially because it had a lot of dan and amy um and i really loved the runner with mike using siri to (laughs) find the all of his answers to everything uh i may know someone in my life who does that uh my (laughs) husband and it made me laugh dave so this is a special episode. It's the travel episode. It's basically their version of a holiday episode for another <clears throat> from another show. And when they went to Britain, I thought it was sort of a lost opportunity that the British politicians didn't exhibit the same tone as from the thick of it. Like mm-hmm. they didn't have that edge. They didn't have that sort of, uh, you know, uh, brandishing a knife, you know, and a wave at the same time that sort of characterized that show. I thought... I missed that part of it. Um, so here's here's my take on this, Tara. Uh-huh. I think in your quest to get Sarah on board <laughs> with Maloney, uh-huh. you didn't pick the best VP had to offer. Oh. I think there are better, funnier episodes than this. Mm. Not that this is a dud by any means, but mm-hmm. I would say this is an okay 
episode with a lot of good stuff in a series that has a lot of great stuff. Okay. Uh, I think there's better episodes out there. I think going to England sort of changes the tenor of it a bit, Does makes it a little atypical, which is sometimes works. Mm-hmm. But um, given that I think kind of like it's a bit muted, I don't think Chris Maloney, like Chris Maloney's a great comic actor and the sex idiot role is, is pretty funny, but um, it's, it's not like exceptional to me. Like it's not like a breakout, like I, I, in, in, in the, Pantheon, 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 Pantheon mm-hmm. of uh, beat characters. Uh, I, I he's not that high up for me. Anyway, so I say this is a fine episode, but just not canon worthy for me. And I think uh, that uh, your quest to get Sarah on board with the Maloney's baloney <laughs> may have hurt you with my vote. Perhaps. Well, let's let's see what Sarah has to say. Take it home, Sarah. Um, it is interesting that your one of your. Um, tree tie for picking this episode was uh maloney's baloney uh-huh. um he's great he's you know born to play this role he never sells it out um overall i mean i had never watched a full veep episode before i couldn't really speak to how typical it is right overall like i love that like basically everyone on the show is the mean one mm-hmm. <laughs> um i it sort of unnerved me that uh, the guy playing the british functionary was like played this really creepy character on fortitude which oh yeah no one else right. watched that and he was marcus the feeder <laughs> anyway <clears throat> um and like here he is like handsome and fairly you know functional so uh but overall i felt like it was a little um the hat bit is not the only one that went on a little too long for me mm-hmm. um discomfort comedy sometimes is like that's it that's a very like fine tightrope to walk for me and I really liked the way that they often inverted it and didn't always make Selena or didn't always make anyone like consistently the butt of the joke like sometimes people are in on it and get it and sometimes they don't which I think is really smart but there were some things that went on a little too long or like a little too satisfied with themselves. Like uh, the bit at the end, I actually thought should have been cut. I didn't think it was that funny. I love that part. That said, I just got Brit fucked by that balloon animal. It's one of the all time (laughs) great lines. Uh, So let's put it to a vote and you can see. Oh, suspense. Oh boy. All right. So I will say, I will go first and say that I am saying no. And then let's find out what Kim says. Fair enough. Uh, I would say yes. All right. So then, Sarah, lay it on us. Um, You bet correctly. It just happened to be the wrong horse, Uh, Gary Coles. ah! No, it isn't. (laughs) But for me, yes, it is. Voting yes. Hey! All right. Beep Season 3, Episode 7, Special Relationship. You are hereby inducted into the extra great canon. Yeah. Of hot. Yeah. (laughs) Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. No. All right, it's time for winner and loser of the week. Sarah has our winner. This is such a random thing, um, but the Pontiac Aztec (laughs) is our winner. Um, They don't even make this car anymore. And this is such a, like, what other car has this weird association in TV? Because that was the... Like, it was a prize for Survivor for at least a couple seasons. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
apparently uh, millennials are buying this discontinued and hideous car um, on the used car market, like way out of proportion to how good or attractive it actually is. Uh-huh. Uh, thanks to Breaking Bad. Uh, how very strange. Oh, so, millennials. Good job, Pontiac. <clears throat> You'll bury us hey, all. I, and then a question. Can I throw in a co-winner of the week? Yes. On, on last minute, uh, I just got word that uh, a co-winner of the week would be Gerard Carmichael because the Carmichael show on NBC got renewed for a second season. Hey! Just announced today. Surprising. If you have not watched it, uh, go to Hulu and you can watch the first season. It's not a perfect show, but it's definitely an interesting show, and I recommend it. Hey, I know you like that show. They they they, they definitely did nothing to support it, so that's kind of surprising. But yeah. b- burning it off in three weeks in the summer, but yeah. Good for him. Loser of the week is Johnny Depp, who stars in a completely fucking bizarre commercial for um, Dior Sauvage Cologne. Sarah's going to put the uh, the she's going to embed it in the show notes. It's uh, I I don't want to spoil it for you by telling you what you're going to see. But he's in a car and then he's in the desert and there's a lot of jewelry and it's really, really strange. And um, for those who are still clinging to their Johnny Depp crushes, he's really doing everything he can to bludgeon it with a shovel, <laughs> including in this actual ad. So check it out. Loser of the week. Oh, that brings up an interesting question. Does, Does it? it? Yeah. Um, do you know what time it is? Uh, time to get <laughs> red fucked by a balloon animal? Oh, close. It's game time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just to remind everybody, uh, you can still fill out your Emmy pool form. Oh, yes. I need to do that. Go to previously.tv slash Emmy pool, and that'll forward you to the form. Thanks to uh, Andrew Jewell for setting that up. As we said last week, you're going to want to set yourself probably 20, 30 minutes to do it. It's uh, pretty involved, but it's uh, it's fun. All right. This is the 10th game time of the season. Tara has four points, mm. could win the season today with a fifth victory. Right behind her are value guests at three points and Sarah with two. Today we are playing Tyrannosaurus RX <laughs> from Doug, not Dougal, as I called him last time he submitted oh, to game time. Okay. He earns himself an extra credit. Redeemable for an extra hot great mini topic of his choosing. Okay. It is called Tyrannosaurus RX and it's not about dinosaurs, but about something almost as cool. Drugs. Oh. One must guess oh. the TV show based off a TV drug, which can take the form of a pharmaceutical, alcohol, stimulant, etc. Ah. All right, so I'm going to read you the ah. name of the drug. you got to name the show. Okay. Name the show, you get two points. You can ask for a hint in the form of me reading from the label. I'm going to read something from the label, which okay. is a clue about the show. Okay. Okay. So two points, sight unseen. One point if you get it after you ask for the clue. Make sense? Yes. Yep. Yes. We will start with Tara. All right. So we'll go uh, Tara, then we'll go to our guest Kim, and then to Sarah. All right. Are we ready to play Tyrannosaurus RX? <sighs> yes. Why yes? Let's do it. Here we go. Tara, starting us off. Oh, we have 36 questions for you today. Okay. Uh, cortexophon. Cortexophan. Cortexophan is fringe. Correct. And just to climb, uh, climate you. God, Dave, shut up. Here was the label. <laughs> Just so you know how it works. Okay. Perfect preventing that pesky brain shrinkage. Caution may contain, uh, may cause travel between universes. Okay. And that's two points, right? <laughs> Sorry. Yes, two points. Got it. 
Okay, Kim. Yes. Let's turn this down a little bit. Okay. Pax. P-A-X. Pax. Clue, please. All right, let me just read from the label here. Causes euphoria and in rare cases, planet-wide reaver infection. Hmm. Oh, um, reavers. I should know this. Your husband probably knows it. Oh, uh, yeah. Jim yeah. Knows it. Happy Battle birthday, Star Jim, Galactica? by the way. Oh. Close. Battlestar Galactica was close. It's Firefly. Ah, Firefly. Fire. All right, Sarah, here's your first question. Your drug yep. is milfweed. Milfweed. Milfweed? Yep. Uh, weeds? Nice. <laughs> Two points. Perfect for suburbia soccer games endorsed by Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah. Tara? Yep. Blue Sky. Hint. Tight, tight, tight. A rare 99% pure uh, methamphetamine. Is it Breaking Bad? Oh, okay. <laughs> Seemed too obvious. Okay. Kim, V. Yep. Simply the letter V. V. Hint, please. Vampire blood for pleasure or stimulation. Uh. Warning, erection may last longer than four hours and cause <laughs> hospitalization. <laughs> True blood. That's good for a point. Nice. Um, Sarah. Sarah. Bennett. Uh, Bennett. Uh, I lost it. Bennett. Uh, apple pie moonshine. Bennett apple pie moonshine is your... Bennett job. apple pie moonshine. Yep. Bennett with a B. Two N's, two T's. Right. Couple uh, of these. Doesn't really help me. Could I have a hint, please? It's already sitting in your glass. Goes down smooth. I don't know. Dukes of Hazard. Well, Close. you're in the right part of the country. <laughs> Justified. Damn it! Oh. All right. Well. Oh God. Uh, oh no. Yeah. Here we go. Someone just wanted you to say some crazy words. Well, I'm sure it's, I'm sure <laughs> it's a pun. I'm going to get the pronunciation wrong. So I'm going to say it and I'm going to spell it. Uh, Nache Tussin. Noche no- Tussin? Yeah. Uh-huh. N-O-C-H-E, capital T-U-S-S-I-N. Yeah. Um, hint. Now, I apologize because maybe I'm supposed to say it in a certain way that makes it obvious. But, okay. But I don't know. Uh, available in Mexico because it's discontinued in the States and in Mexico. The Mexicans smuggle it from Nicaragua, where it's also illegal. Warning, good luck. <sighs> I know, I know it. God. No shade, Tussum? Yeah. Uh, this is wrong. We're raising hope. Mm. Happy ending. Oh, of course. Mm. All right, Kim. Yours is Glog. G-L-O-G-G, but in brackets, G-I-U-H-G. H-G is uh, capital H, lowercase g. I think that's supposed to be how you're supposed to pronounce it. Like, j or something. Okay. Right, whatever. I don't know. G-L-O-G-G. It, well, the H-G made me think it was an element. Oh. So that was like uh, on the label or something. Oh. Maybe. I don't know. I don't I'm going to take the hint. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Mulled wine with a bottle of absence may cause memory loss and ruin Christmas. Uh, boy. I hate picky. Why do I know everyone except the ones that come to me? I don't know. (laughs) Anybody? No. That's from the late Trophy Wife. Oh, right. Of course. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. Sarah? I would have guessed Downton. Yes. (laughs) Chemical X. You know this one. Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, you do. Two points. 
Uh, Me. Your whiff. Yes. Hello, whiff. Uh-huh. Uh, Temosil. Timosil. Timosil is Arrested Development. Two points. Kim. Yes. Extreme Blue. <laughs> Extreme Blue. A game time hint, favorite. Please. She said hint, please. Energy supplement, totally not pancake batter and paint. Not endorsed by Marilyn Manson. <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows that you guys watch and I don't. Probably. So I'm going to be embarrassed. Uh, let's see. Uh, Archer. Mm. Round the right track. Clone High. Yeah. Clone the High. self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> My right. kids won't even talk to me. Sarah. <laughs> yes. Purity control. Purity control. Purity control. Purity control. Oh, shit. I'm totally going to know this. Uh, hint. All right. This is a good hint. This is, is this will get you the point. Antidote to the black oil virus. Warning may not be very effective. <laughs> black oil virus? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, think yeah. about it. You know this. Yeah, you know this for I, sure. I know I know it, and yet I, I don't know it, and I'm still, oh, boy. still talking. So let's try X-Files. Yeah, there it is. Phew. All right. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, Tara. Yeah. Arbor Gold. Hint. The finest white wine enjoyed by kings and eunuchs. Um, Game of Thrones. One point. Kim, yep. get ready for this one. It's the thinker. Red Kryptonite. <laughs> Smallville. Nice. Two points. Bring us into our first score break. Sarah. Chamala. Kamala? Kamala? I think it might have been Kamala. Kamala? Yeah. yeah. That, okay, that makes sense. But it's uh, sp- yeah. spelled with C-H. C-H. A-M-A-L-L-A. Yeah, that makes more sense. Kala. Um, can <laughs> I have a hint, please? Uh, hallucinogen, perfect for oracles or cancer patients. Goes down smooth with candy or tea. Ah. <clears throat> uh... Shit. I will United give States you, of Terra. I was going to give you an additional hint that this show was mentioned during this game time. It's Battlestar Galactica. Oh. Battlestar Galactica. It's what they give uh, Laurel and Rosalind. Yep. Kim has three. I uh, Sarah has five. I have six. Still lots of game to go. I think. I think that's what the game is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yep. Back to Tara. Yep. Orpheus. Hint. Causes coma and hallucination, perfect for reflection when questioning one's faith. Faith? Yeah. Mm. Big love? Angel. Oh. Angel. Number 17. <clears throat> Spread eagle. Spread eagle. Spread eagle. <laughs> <laughs> for Kim, the red. The red. Hit, please. Addictive, but allows user to reap many rewards no longer available. Yeah, that doesn't help me at all. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> some are better than others. Let's see. The red addictive. Um, uh, Star Trek. The next generation. <laughs> no, it's not Star Trek anything. It's the 100. Oh. The 100. All right, Tara. Nope. nope. Sarah. Sarah. Other Tara. No, to Sarah. <laughs> Smile dip. <laughs> Smile dick? Dip. 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 Dip.
sorry. Uh, the hint, please. Uh, <laughs> Banned in America for good reason. Uh, hallucinations include flying dolphins, giant puppies, and techno music. <laughs> hmm. Sorry. The Simpsons? I like that guess. Uh, Tara. Um, I don't know it. Flying dolphins, giant puppies. Uh, Gravity Falls. Oh. Gravity Falls. Oh. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Who's this for? Me. Uh, Sparkle. Hint. The greatest evil and the only mutual enemy that can unite rival armies. <laughs> um, Vikings? I don't know. G.I. <laughs> Joe. Oh, God, of course. All right. Kim. <laughs> Kim. Uh, yeah. Giggle pig. Giggle pig. The city's hottest new recreational drug currently under police investigation. It's a good hint. Um, Law and Order SVU. Mm. It's Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, Sarah. Yep. Electricity. 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 Yep. Hint. Perfect for frying robotic circuits. Side effects include hell-themed musical numbers. It's <laughs> a good hint. Perfect for hell-themed musical numbers. Yeah. Hmm. Robotic. Glee. Oh. Mm. Tar. Futurama. Futurama. God damn it, Futurama. Why? <laughs> Uh, Tara. Yep. Annuale. Annuale. Oh, really? Oh, annual. Annual. Yeah. A n n u a l e. Yeah. Um, Saturday Night Live. That's correct. Nice, Kim. Thank you. Yep. Et, uh, etorphine or M nine nine. Etorphine or M nine nine. Hit please. Causes instant knockout for a long sleep or a midnight job. A midnight job? Yeah. Uh, 30 Rock? Dexter. This is mm, knockout um, drug. Right. Sarah. Yep. Forget me now. Forget me now. Forget me now. Forget me now. Know this. I'm really you do. Mad know that I asked for a hint, but I need a hint. A useful pill to help audience members forget illusionist secrets. Totally not a roofie. <laughs> Arrested development? Yeah. That's good for a point. <clears throat> Whew, let's do a score break. Okay, Kim has three, Sarah has six, I have eight. All right. So we're back to Tara. Yep. Vaxa. Uh, the Colbert Report. Correct. Kim. Yep. Milk of the Poppy. Uh, can is, are there any repeated answers? Uh, well, yes. Well, Arrested Development's already come up yeah, twice. Arrested Development's come up twice. So yeah. Okay. Uh, Game of Thrones. Nice. Sarah, Nutri-Yums. 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 Gross. Hint. 
Made by Sweetums. Ingredients: sugar. <laughs> Made by Sweetums. Ingredients: sugar. <clears throat> I'm gonna guess The Simpsons again. Parks and Rec. Oh. Tara. Yep. Glenn McKenna Scotch. Um. Hint. A perfect wedding gift. Not fine enough to forget that final season. How I Met Your Mother? Whoops, that is correct. Oh, Wrong okay. That was worth a point. <laughs> okay. Kim, pandemic. Yep. Pandemic. Haha. <sighs> yeah. I should know this You one. definitely know this. The Wire? Mm, yeah. Also called Yellow Top, Plymouth Rock, Mistletoe, yeah. WMD, and many, 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 many. Yeah, yeah. As previously heard in Hot Potato. Yep. Sarah. <clears throat> Yo. The Rory. The Rory. The Rory. Yeah. I will add, don't overthink it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yep. Thank you for adding that, Gilmore Girls. (laughs) You've seen this episode. It was Nick's um, canon submission with her birthday. That was her signature cocktail. A perfect cocktail for any 21st birthday. Tastes like a My Little Pony. (laughs) Yeah. Tara. Yeah. Screaming Viking. Oh, Hint. Cocktail with bruised cucumber, perfect for stumping unlikable bartenders and mixologists. Is this Brooklyn Nine Nine again? It's cheers. Oh, cheers. okay. Kim. Yep. Synthahol. <laughs> Synthahol. Hit. The taste of alcohol without the effects, perfect for humans and humanoids. Ugh. I could describe so many things. <laughs> um, Futurama? Star Trek, Next Generation. Oh, oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, Sarah? Yep. Duff Beer? The Simpsons? Yeah! <laughs> All right, everybody's got one question left. Okay, it's very close. Kim has seven. Sarah has ten. I have eleven. Oh, all right. So it's still anybody's game. It is anybody's game. So we're back Not to Kim's. It's anybody's <laughs> game between me and Sarah. We're back to Tara. <laughs> yep. The formula. Uh, hint. Product of the company. Please re- uh, Please repeat dosage in nine years. Uh, alias. Heroes. Oh, Please God, of course. You had to nice. guess Alias, though. That's what I would have guessed. Okay, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> Blood wine. Hint. Best served warm, extremely potent, not intended for human consumption. Blood wine. Blood? Is it the strain? It's original Star Trek. God. Star Trek, not your friend today. Okay, so remind me, you're one or two points over Sarah. I have one point more than Sarah. Okay. If Sarah gets this on the first go, she yeah. she, she wins. pulls out ahead. Yeah, and the or can tie. Right. All right. Sarah, for you, your drug is Max Rager. Aha. Uh-huh. Max Rager. 
Max Rager. Oh, yep. Jesus. Max Rager. Okay. Is she going to go for it or is she going to play it safe? She's going to play it safe. Hint. Strongest energy drink on the market. Warning may cause zombification. <laughs> yep. Strongest energy drink on the market. Warning may cause zombification. Uh, energy drinks and zombification. Okay. Oh, I zombie? Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> All right. So that means we have a tie. We sure do. And that means we're going. I have two tiebreakers. Okay. Two tiebreakers. Okay. So uh, I will just. I'll read the name. I'll pause at some point. I'll start reading the clues if nobody gets it. Okay. You can shout out an answer whenever you want, but once you do, the other person gets to answer before you get another crack at it. Got it. Ready? Yep. Yep. All right. Your drug is Venom. Venom. All right. Steroid makes any brack baking, brack bash breaking labor simple. It's a steroid. Makes any back-breaking labor simple. Hercules, Legendary Journeys? Um. Give us a guess. If not, I'm going to go to our second clip. The Flash. All right. Aldecerio? Aldis? Alderis? Oh, God. Fuck Jesus. <laughs> All. Sound it out. Dar. Riccio. Yep. Homo- homopathic mood enhancers. Hmm. Aldericio? Yeah, that's one word. Okay. Homopathic mood enhancers. And here's a clue that might give it away. Okay. Get ready. Yep. Perfect for forgetting about dead relatives served with pie. Twin Peaks? With pie. Oh, God. Give us a guess. <laughs> My mind is empty of pies. All right, here we go again. I'm going to read the clues again. Yep. Venom, steroid, makes any back-breaking labor simple. Aldecerio, Sario, homopathic mood enhancers. Perfect for forgetting about dead relatives. Serve with pie. Hold your answers. Yep. Um... Why couldn't this just have been euphoria? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ready? Yeah. I'm going to read the first one again. Okay. Okay. Venom. Venom. Yep. Steroid. Okay. Makes any brack baking labor simple. Batman? Gotham? Oh. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Duh, Thanks, of course. Man. Sarah! Let's get them scores. Okay, Kim had seven, I had eleven, Sarah had twelve. Woo! Jesus. Thanks, guys. Sarah! Sarah. Congratulations. Wait, were those two different drugs? What was the second one? Pushing daisies. Pushing daisies. Pie! Yeah. Dead relatives and pie. Dead relatives and pie. All right, everybody. (laughs) Kim. Where can we find out more about you and what you're doing these days? I am on Twitter at Kim Reed, R-E-E-D. 
Uh, I should just add for Kim that her last marathon, Diary of the Good Wife, will go up on Thursday. But before that, she will be covering Dancing with the Stars and Scandal for us at Previously.TV this season. Great. Sarah? Um, I'm at Tomato Nation on Twitter. That's tomato like the uh, berry slash vegetable nation like a country. And I will be covering Project Greenlight all season. Also, look out for a new true crime segment in next week's podcast. Woo! All right. Uh, Tara Ariano is at Tara Ariano on Twitter. I am at Glark. So you can uh, catch us there. That is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We talked about the goodwill generated by the return of HBO's Project Greenlight. Goodwill. And the hunt for this season's eh. director. Hunt. Pause. <laughs> we choked down Tara's flavorless proxy tiny triumph. Got the scoop. <laughs> on the latest face-off and deconstructed the last ever episode of Under the Dome in the last ever we are all Domer 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 then went around the dial we stopped at Playing House uh, whatever that other one was Late Show with Stephen Colbert Good Wife The Missing Evidence and another Star Wars ad and Minority Report Tara's canon selection of Veep's special relationship won by popular vote. We crowned winners and losers of the week. And Sarah was the winner of this week's drug-fueled game time. <laughs> Remember. We're listening. I am David T. Cole. And on behalf of Tara Ariana. Effie Brown for president. Sarah D. Bunting. Jeff Bayless for president. And Kim Reed. <laughs> Matt Damon, stop mansplaining. Thanks for <laughs> listening. We'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Rate. Hey, Ellie. Yes, Mom? They picked Queen Mab for the Shakespeare challenge. Ah, Queen Mab wasn't even in Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Kidding me? <laughs> Well, ovaries, we had a good run. <laughs>